Matthew chapter number 2. John chapter 4 and Matthew chapter number 2. Let me encourage you, uh, if you're ever witnessing to someone or you've got a friend you're trying to get to come to church, don't forget, you know, we get our messages, we put them on, uh, on YouTube, they go on Facebook Live. I know some of you aren't big social media people, and that's okay. Uh, my, my, my philosophy or my theory is this. Uh, I think most of the stuff on there is garbage, but if we can put some good stuff on there, uh, and, and if people are on there, and we can direct them to that. Um, and we also have uh, uh, a, something called Sermon Audio. We put our messages on as, as well. What I'm getting at is this. If you've got someone you've been talking to about the Lord, you've got someone you've been talking to about coming to church, um, and, and there's maybe a message you think would be a blessing to them, don't neglect to use those resources. Look, you're using Venmo. You're using Cash App. You're using Instagram. You're using a lot of stuff that, you know, you have to use Gmail, you know, your banking app, this thing, that thing. Use something in technology for good as well, all right? So I'm going to encourage you to do that, take advantage of that. Uh, and if you're not subscribed to our, our channels and do that as well. Uh, look, if you would, at John chapter 4. Stand with me for just a moment. John chapter 4. And let me just start off with this thought. And obviously, we've been talking about music. I'm kind of kind of taking a break from the music series. But where we left off, if you remember, was the subject of worship. And uh, what I want to talk to you tonight is about that, that subject, uh, loosely, if you will. Um, and uh, look, if you would, at John chapter number 4. The Lord is having a conversation with a woman, uh, and we know her as the woman at the well. Uh, it does not give her name. We know that she's a Samaritan, and we know where she is found and where the Lord speaks to her, and that's really about it. Uh, we also know that she doesn't exactly have a squeaky clean testimony. Anybody remember the story? She's got five husbands, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but notice that whenever the Lord engages with her, uh, he says something that's, I think, really interesting, and I, I want to give you this thought to start off with, and we'll, we'll read the scripture, we'll make sense of it, but, but the, the idea is this, the Lord is seeking you. The Lord is seeking you out. Um, and uh, I, I want to maybe quantify or qualify what kind of people it is that God is seeking for. Right, look at John 4, and look at verse number uh, 15, the woman said to him, sir, Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, I love this. I don't know about you guys. Do you ever, do you ever just see yourself in a story where like, you give a half-truth about something, and then the Lord just nails you for it? All right. Uh, that was well said, I have no husband. She's like, Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. But wait, the next verse is coming. For that was said, Five husbands... And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. Uh, in that sayest thou truly. This, she's got a checkered past, right? The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You might think so if someone could tell you what's going on in your life without looking you up on Facebook, right? Our fathers now, here's where it gets really interesting. Our fathers, what's the next word? Worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to what? Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem. What's the next word? Worship, Worship the Father. Ye what? Ye know not what. We know what. We, for you guys are, come on now. Are we on the same book? I got Miss Angie and one other dude. Someone help me out here. All right. All right. So, so here we go. On verse number 22, let's read it again. Ye what? You know not what. We know what we worship. There you go. For salvation is of the Jews. 
But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall... There you go, the Father, in spirit and in truth. Worship! <laughs> Amen? Worship's what we're talking yes. about. There you go. All right, now, now notice the last phrase in verse 23. For the Father seeketh such to what? Worship. Worship Him. The Lord is looking, looking, looking for people to worship Him. Look at Matthew chapter 2. This is where it kind of intersects with the quote-unquote Christmas story, if you will. Matthew chapter 2, passage that you know very well. We recently read from it. We're going to read it again just really quickly. Look at verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to what? Worship him. Um, What you read later in this chapter, and we'll look at some of these verses here momentarily, is you read about some men that sought the Lord. What, what were they seeking Him for? To worship Him. And you know what the Lord is looking for tonight? For those that are seeking to worship Him. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Joe, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Now, here, going back to John 4, what you have is you got a classic situation, and anyone that's ever tried to win someone to Jesus Christ, try to explain the gospel to them, uh, you know how it goes. You start talking about Jesus, and they go, What about Noah and the ark? You start talking about their sin, they go, What about where did Cain get his wife? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, uh, you start talking about, about how they need to be born again. And they go, yeah, but what about, you know, uh, evolution? And, and, and what you find is when you try to get people on the gospel message and about Jesus Christ himself, they're always kind of trying to move the target away from him. And, and so in the story, it's kind of interesting because Jesus is trying to win this woman to himself. And I, I understand this is a before the death, burial, resurrection and dispensation. We can go to all kinds of things. But practically tonight, the Lord is talking to this woman about her need for him. He is that living water. Amen. All my life long, I had painted for a draught from some clear spring. Hallelujah. I have found him, right? Who my soul so long has craved. 
Jesus is that drink from that clear spring. He's talking about that living water. So what does she do? She goes, well, you guys worship here, and, and we worship over here. You guys have a choir, and we have a rock band. You guys have a piano, and we've got this. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me, let me set you straight for a moment. You worship, you know not what. And by the way, let's quit arguing about this because let me tell you what the Father's looking for. The Father's looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. The Lord is looking. Now, let me just say this. When God looks for something, it's not because like when we look for something, like if you lose your wallet, you don't know where it's at. Right, and you're saying, "God, help me find my wallet." The Lord's not like, "What? Where did Adam go? And wait, where's where's uh, Caleb's heart right now? I wish I just knew where he was at. Man, I just wish I understood where where Joe was at right now. I know he's str- the Lord never is like that. He always knows exactly where you're at. The reason why God mentions that He's looking for you so that you know that, you, that He cares about you. Listen, listen. We know that the the verse in the Old Testament: "All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one of us to his own way." The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know what he says after that, Matthew 18? He describes a situation where there is a lost sheep and the shepherd goes to seek out that sheep. It is never man that looks for God first. It's always God looking for us first. I think sometimes we forget that. And I think especially when it comes to the subject of worship, you need to understand how much God values real, genuine worship. Let me encourage you to do something tonight. If I can't encourage you to do this, if you want to get the most out of this that you can, can I encourage you, maybe, maybe put aside your phone. You, maybe you don't have your phone out, but if you do, turn it off and put it aside. I'll tell you why. Because the devil wants to distract you from hearing about worship. Because the rest of your time that you're online, you know what you're doing? Whether you realize it or not, you are worshiping something in your life. You are giving adoration and attention and, and glory to some, you are sacrificing or giving to something in your life. And the Lord wants that for him. And the Lord, listen to me, God is a jealous God. You know what? You, you, I think sometimes, sometimes people look at the Old Testament and they go, well, that's how God used to be. No, God has never changed. Just because he's not dropping people like flies doesn't mean his judgment hasn't changed. Listen, not everything gets judged here and now, okay? But God is a jealous God, and he wants your attention. He is looking for you. You know what I've learned with my kids? If I can't get their eyes on me, it does not matter what I say. Any parents in here know what I'm talking about? Where you yell something, they go, oh, yeah, okay. They have no idea what you're saying. They just said, mom's screaming, dad's screaming. I'm going to yell okay in response in hopes that they know that I'm not dead, right? right. But I'm not going to do what they said because I didn't hear what they said. I will le- I've learned I've got to get their attention and go, okay, here's what I want you to And I literally, I'm not kidding about this. There are times where I go, all right, I want you to do this. And they're like, okay, okay. Uh, what did I say? Uh, uh. Uh, I don't know. And if it's Ethan, he goes, I don't know. I'm trying to be cute, you know. <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you, man? Stand still, look in my eyes, you know. And you know what the Lord's looking for tonight? He wants to get your attention. Amen. You know why? You're so distracted. Yeah. And, and you spend so much of your life, and you don't realize it, worshiping something or someone. And, and, and listen, I know if the devil showed up tonight and said, worship me, you'd be like, no, I'm a Christian, right? You wouldn't. You would never be like, oh, yeah, let's worship the devil. But here's what you would do. You would worship you. You would sacrifice for you. I'm not, listen, I'm old enough to remember Black Friday when it was real Black Friday. Anybody anybody know what I'm talking about? You get up at, you know, 2 a.m. I never did any of that foolishness, but I know people did it. 
You can have it too. I'm thinking to myself, I always thought to myself, I could, at the time I couldn't afford anything we were fighting over anyway, so I'm like, whatever. <laughs> you guys enjoy your Hunger Games over the TV set, you know. Uh, but, but I remember Black Friday when it was really Black Friday, and people would get up at 2 a.m., stand in line for hours in this kind of weather. And they'd get tents, and they get space heaters. And then when it's like, you know, listen, I'm not picking on anyone. If someone was sick, couldn't make it, lives far away, understand. But I'm also saying right now, there are a lot of Christians in the modern-day church that would live five minutes from a Bible-living church, and when it gets below freezing, they're like, I ain't going outside. You'll go to, church, you'll go to work outside. you go to, to McDonald's outside and Walmart outside. And the reality is you worship something. You will give to something. The question is, what is it? Or who is it? And I think in the modern church, it's not the devil so much as humanism. It's me. I am the object of my own reverence. I'm the object of my own adoration. That's why when I come to church, it should be all about me instead of about the Lord. Now, now the Lord is a jealous God. Listen, the same God that wiped people out. Listen, a guy picks up sticks on Saturday, not sleeping around, not doing drugs, not, you know, hooking up with someone online, none of that stuff, not even getting drunk. The guy picks up sticks on Saturday, and God says, stone him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I, was, I just can't understand a God like that. That's because you're a sinner. Yeah. And you like bending the rules for you. Right. See, if someone, now let me ask you a question. What if someone stole something from you? Would you want judgment? Oh, yes, you would. Well, yeah, that's like a crime. Okay, but what about crimes against God? The, the example that, that God set with that situation in the Old Testament was to set a, a standard for, look, you may not value things that I value. Here's another man that kills a man and takes his wife, and God lets him live. Now, I'm not advocating that you do that. Are you with me tonight? I'm not saying God didn't. And that man paid for it, by the way, dearly, but he didn't die himself. Here's another guy that picks up sticks, and God says, stone him. You say, Why? Well, because here's the thing. When it comes to things that people do against you, you go, well, yeah, of course. God, get them. Some of you have not had a hot prayer life until someone's crossed you, and you're like, Lord, I claim all the promises that David prayed in the book of Psalms where he said, Lord, smite mine enemies. <laughs> you know, if there was a verse about decapitating mine enemies, you guys would have it memorized. You'd be quoting it to the Lord, Right? And here, you look at when someone crosses you, when someone crosses God, it's like no big deal. You know why? The value system in what you worship is odd. So God looks at it and goes, okay, but that was directly against me. It didn't hurt anybody. Who else got hurt by picking up six on Saturday? Nobody. It was directly against God. You know why? Your God's a jealous God. And you know what he's looking for? People that genuinely desire to worship him. You know, the Bible says there is none that understand, there is none that seeketh after God. That is a general statement on mankind. You know what we learned from that? That God seeks man first and that by nature we don't seek him. It is the work of the Spirit of God. Remember Ephesians chapter 5, to be filled with the Spirit, right? And when you do that, what do you do? You make melody in your hearts and the Lord and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about worship tonight. And when you're filled with the Spirit of God, supernaturally you go, I should not just be consumed with me. I should want to worship the Lord. What does that look like biblically? That's what we're going to examine that because God's looking for people that want to do that. I, I thought about this today. There are two things that the creator of the universe will look for. Two kinds of people. Sinners. Son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. And seekers. Now, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, you're a sinner. He's looking for you. Amen. Aren't you glad that you got found? <laughs> That's a blessing, isn't it? 
I'm thankful that God found me. I, I, and, and yes, I, I recognize the fact that my free will was still intact and I, I had to receive him as my Savior and all that, but the Lord was seeking me out when I didn't even realize it. Look, if you go back in the story of your salvation and each and every one of you, you can look back and see how, man, God was putting things into place and was looking for you and you had no clue. Amen. But can I say this? Now that you're saved, God's not done looking for you because we still kind of tend to wander off. And one of the things that will kind of keep you grounded and keep you kind of, I guess you could say, stable in the Christian life is understanding what real worship is about. And I want to say this, what we're going to talk about tonight is not anything necessarily about music as much as it is what genuine worship is, because that's what God's looking for. And these these wise men that came in Matthew chapter 2... And look, there's all kinds of controversy, you know, is it three wise men or were they kings? You know, we three kings of Orient are and all that kind of stuff. Forget all that stuff. Here's what we can tell you. There were at least two men. Because the Bible says M-E-N. That's right. All right. So we understand that they did not, they didn't struggle within themselves to know what they identified as. Amen. <laughs> and so there was at least two of them. So let's say there were three, five, maybe there were 30. I don't know. There were three gifts presented. We know that much. All right, but they could have been Baptists. So there's 10 of them, and they're cheap, and they go, let's go in on three gifts. I don't know. Amen. Amen. There you go, yeah. Uh, I don't know, but, but what, I, what I can say is that there were three gifts, at least two men. We understand that much. But here's what I can tell you about this. These men sought the Lord, and the Lord blessed them for their seeking. They were seeking to worship him. And in the story, of course, you got Herod, and he's a, a great picture of an insincere worshiper, someone that says, I want to worship the Lord, but on my conditions. And by the way, when someone tries to make worship convenient for you, they're not looking out for you. Amen. Look at 1 Kings chapter number 12. Look at 1 Kings chapter 12. We live in a day and age when churches are, are seeking, how can we make worship as convenient, as comfortable, and as like feel goody and as uh, much as the world as it's gonna as we can get it, so that when people come, they feel comfortable and they want to come back. Now, look, when I say comfortable, I don't, I'm not referring to the seats on the chairs, give them space. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that when you come in, there's no conviction. That, listen, I've been in church services where I've been sitting there biting my tongue because I remember about eight or so years ago, I was visiting a church in Texas, sitting down there, and the guy gives a, 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 a gospel presentation, and he never says anything about sin, never says anything about eternity, never says anything about hell. He just said, when you want to ask Jesus into your life, you, you can come forward. Why would they do They don't understand what it means to ask Jesus in their life. They need to know what, the, what, what it means to be born again. They need to know what it means to be saved. And we've watered it down so much in the modern church. Why? Because we want to make it convenient. And we don't want it to be hard. And we don't want it, you know, I've had people literally say, well, we just maybe just get rid of Sunday school because it's, you know, you can get rid of that and maybe just have like a service at nine, a service at 11. And I appreciate the advice people give. I'm not saying anything about that. But I, I tell you this right now, if someone's telling me, well, Sunday school is dying in America anyways, so like, let's not do it. Maybe that's the wrong answer. Maybe it's dying because we didn't value it enough. Maybe it's dying because preachers won't say, get your stinking butt out of bed at 10 o'clock in the morning. Amen, amen, and amen. I'm sorry, but it's going to be a, a, you know, a cold day and you know where. When some 20-year-old kid tells me I was busy, when I'm like, oh, you're busy. Oh, you're busy. You, you want to run a business, have a church, have 47 children and farm animals running around, and, and, then, and then tell me you're busy and you can't make it to church because why? I honestly think that's one of the reasons why God's given me a busy life. I really mean that. 
so that no one can look at me with a straight face and go, I'm busy. Right. Oh, is it getting weird for you guys now? <laughs> it's not for me. I should be the one that's feeling awkward right now, and I'm not. I'm just being real with you tonight. Can you, you guys could be able to handle that. It's all right. Do thyself no harm. We are all here, all right? The, the idea is this. The idea is that we've made church so convenient to where there's no struggle, there's no push. Listen, if you've got no struggle and no push, uh, we got someone that's looking at joining one of the armed forces. They had this thing called basic training. Do you know what they don't do? They don't go, how do you feel about that? Do you want to get up tomorrow? You know what? It's okay. If you want to get up at 7 o'clock tomorrow, it's all right. I mean, the rest of everybody's going to get up at 4, but you've had a harder life, so it's okay. <laughs> hey, when the bombs start falling, they don't ask you what time you want to receive them. You understand? The Christian life is not just meant to be about you and about what's convenient for you. And so here we've got this man, Herod, that's all about, yeah, I want to worship him, but on my terms, you bring him to me. You know what you, know what you see in the Old Testament? A very similar story. Look at 1 Kings chapter 12, and look at verse 26. And Jeroboam, this is when the kingdom split, said in his heart, now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto the Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and sent unto them, watch it, it's too long of a trip. It's too hard for you. I'm just looking out for you. It's too much for you to go to Jerusalem. So let's make, I'm going to do this for you. I'm really looking out for you, Thomas. It's, it's not about me, I promise. We're going to have these two golden calves, and you can just worship here and Dan, and that, we don't have to go all make all that. I mean, come on, guys. Isn't it a little old-fashioned, right? I mean, to say you've got to go all the way to Jerusalem, who still thinks that God only shows up in Jerusalem anyways? Why don't you just do it here? It'll be easier for you. Can I say this? When people start doing that for you, it's not because they're looking out for you. Amen. What you learn in the story is that Jeroboam was trying to cover his own tail because he was worried that the kingdom would turn back to the other king instead of being uh, a kingdom under his reign. And you know what he was doing? He's looking out for himself. But you know how he sells the package? Worship shouldn't be so difficult for you. We should make this easier. Can, can I say this? Biblical worship is not about that. It's not about what's convenient. And I understand, guys. Let's be honest. We all live with devices where we hit buttons and food and clothes and electronics and God knows what animals show up at our house. Amen. And you're so used to hitting a button, and you know what? Sometimes there's just not a button for that. I have people say, well, I've got this problem with my, my kid. I've got this problem with my marriage. I've got this. Hey, look, it, it took you years of doing things the wrong way to get where you're at. You cannot expect God to put a button there. And can I say this? When it comes to real worship, <laughs> there's no button. I came to church, and I opened the Bible, and I heard we said, okay, set up. Listen, some of you are just as bad as a fee-fi-fo, tic-tac-toe, three in a row. You're no different. You, you laugh at folks who go, and then they stand up, and they get down, and they stand up, and they get down. And you laugh at that, some of you, but you know what? You're just the same way. You're just Baptist. Because you come and you sit down, your mind isn't here, your heart's not here, you're, 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 you're somewhere else completely. You get your Bible, look at a couple of verses and go, okay, I, I did this, I sat up, we, we stood up, we sang a song, sat down, someone else came up, they sang a special, then we sang a song, sat down, read my Bible for a little bit, I go home. This is not meant to be a ritual. God wants to seek those who sincerely desire to worship Him in spirit and in truth. You know what I'm thinking about? 
thinking about our candlelight service. And it's a, it's a beautiful service. I love it. It is maybe my favorite service of the year. And I'm, I'm just, I, I do, I love it. I love the music. I love everything that it's about. But can I say this? When people come, especially those that are lost, and, and they come and they fill this place, do you know what they need a sense? Some real worshipers. Not just people that are singing the Christmas carols because it's just what we do and it's canned and I know the words, but, oh, come, let us adore him. What do I adore in my life? What am I living for? What gets me up in the morning? What is the first thing I do? Do I wake up and roll over and get that phone and start looking up everything that's going on out there? What's moving me in life? They need to see that. And by the way, you can feel it. I'm not trying to be spooky with you, but there have been times, listen, I've seen this before, where, man, there's just as many visitors as there are our crowd, and it gets kind of, something feels a little bit off, and I go, man, I better, we better get praying, you better get praying. We've had some weird things happen around here, Brother Sean knows about some of them, where I'm looking around going, Lord, we need some help here spiritually, and if it wasn't for the prayers of some of you, we wouldn't have gotten out of those things. You know what I'm getting at? It takes some real worshipers. Not some people are just showing up to do a ritual. Not, 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 I'm not picking on the young people, but I hope to God you didn't come back because your parents made you. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you came because you wanted to. And, and, and if you're married, I hope you didn't come because your wife made you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> or your husband made you. Uh, I hope you came because you love God. Amen. You know what, you know what seekers, you know how you can quantify a seeker that the Lord is looking for? They keep it about the Lord. Look, if you would, at Matthew 2 and look at verse number 2. Now, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, you may not remember that in the book of Numbers, that the, the, uh, uh, the Moabites try to get, uh, I just went blank, the false prophet Balaam, excuse me, to get Balaam to curse the people of Israel. And you may remember that story where Balak, the king of Moab, brings Balaam up and all that stuff. I mean, there's so much good stuff there. And Balaam, so many lessons in that, I can't unwrap it all tonight. Balaam was just bent on doing what he wanted to do. He didn't care what God said. I mean, he was just, he was going to go whether God wanted him to or not, and God was going to catch up later. That's kind of how Balaam lived his life. It's like a lot of Christians live their life. I want to go with this crowd. I know it's not where I should go, but I'm going to go anyways. I'm going to try to make it good. And God, you'll catch up later. That's what Balaam did. And in that situation, what happens is Balaam goes, can't you curse those people for me? And Balaam tries to curse them, but eventually he just blesses them. And one of those prophecies that he speaks, there in Numbers 24, he says this, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. All right? A star, capital S. You say, why? It's a reference to the Son of God. It's a reference to Jesus Christ. And so there's this prophecy in the Old Testament, which is where I believe the wise men received some of that. Some would argue that it was, you know, the, the, the land of the east, you know, there from east of Moab and where that prophecy was given and it spread out to the east or whether it was, you know, further than that in Babylon where the wise men were in Daniel's day. I don't know, probably a mix of both, but here's what I can tell you. They knew that much. And so you know what they were looking for? They were not just looking for a star. They were looking for his star. Look at Matthew 2 and look, if you would, at verse number 2. It says this, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen, what are the next two words? His star. You know what I think about those that really want to worship the Lord? They keep it about the Lord. I've had people say, this is my ministry. You got the wrong attitude. That's 
And if anyone ever looks at it, well, this is my Sunday school class. This is my, I don't even think, man, I'm, I, it scares me to go, this is my church. And this is my, I was talking to a lady yesterday trying to witness to her. She was cutting my hair and uh, not my normal hairstylist, but she's, she had to go out of town because her uh, family emergency. And so sitting down talking to this lady and she goes, yeah, uh, what time is your mass? You know, and I was like, well, our mass is at, no, I didn't say that. I said, I said well, our service is at, you know, such and such time we're talking about things and she goes, yeah, I used to go to this, you know, cut my hair. She goes, you used to go to this, you know, place, Heritage Church or whatever. And, and, uh, but then this pastor came, and then the owner started a new church. I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. We don't own the church. But that was her perception. I'm not picking on her. I'm just saying the fact that we ever even give that perception, something's off. This isn't my church. It's the Lord's church. Yeah, I understand God's coming here physically to oversee things. I get that. But listen, you should not look at my ministry, my church, my family. My, listen, whatever you've got is from the Lord. And, and, and furthermore, it should be about seeking what is his, not seeking what is yours. These wise men, I believe the reason God blessed them was because they were seeking what was God's. They said, hey, we want to see his star. We're tired of seeing the other stars. Are you with me? The ones that catch footballs, the ones that get balls in nets, the ones that, you know, go out and sing a great song. We're tired of those stars. We want his star. <laughs> you know what that is? That's keeping it about him. I read this, and this is, I think, fascinating. They collected data. I think I mentioned this briefly not too long ago, from 1948 to 1954. And it was a, a, a series of surveys among 10,000 adolescents, whether they consider themselves to be a very important person. I read some of the statistics, but I did not read this. They read people's statements and asked the statements, uh, asked the people if these statements apply to them. Statements such as, I like to be the center of attention. I show off if I get the chance because I'm extraordinary. Somebody should write a biography about me. Now listen, from 1948 to 1954, you know, it was 12% of those people that said, yeah, I'm an important person. That number jumped to 77% in the late 80s. God only knows what that is now. You know, you know what, it, we went from, from we to it's all about me. You know why sometimes you can't enjoy church, honestly, and you can't enjoy your Bible, and you can't enjoy the things God has blessed you with? Because it's about you. Genuine worship of the Lord is not about you. It's, it's literally losing you in the Lord. It's where you go, yeah, yeah, it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't how I drew it up, but boy, the Lord sure is good. It's when you come to church and someone sits in your favorite seat. Man, I mean, like if Joe walked in and someone sat right in that corner spot, you know, and it was a first-time visitor, and Joe walked over and said, I like your seat. Good to have you. You know why I like your seat? I'll give you one, I'll give you one guess. It's my chair. Uh, obviously, Joe wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. You understand that. But can I tell you, I have witnessed people doing that in church. Can we go a step further? I've heard of it happening at our church. I wasn't there when it happened. And it's probably a good thing I wasn't there when it happened. Amen. But you understand, it shouldn't be about you. I'm not making this up. One time I was visiting a church and I sat down. I had no idea. I was a missionary. And so I said, good to have you, young man. You know, shook my hand. And I was like, oh, good to have you. You know, you know ask you, you know, what I'm doing, all that. And, and uh, I said, uh, you know, I'm a missionary. He goes, oh, that's good. He's like, if you weren't, I would ask you to get out of my seat. I'm like, 
Do you want me to move now? What do we do now? I, I don't care. You want your chair back? If it means that much to you, there's your chair. You know what the problem is? You're thinking about you from the moment you walk in. I've had people say, I, literally, look, if someone comes to New Heights Baptist Church and says your church isn't friendly, it's because you don't want people to talk to you. Right. But I've had people say it. You know what the problem is? It's all about them. Right. Do you know why some issues in your home are not resolved yet? Because you're still making it all about you. Right. You know why I preached about confusion a couple of weeks ago? You know why some of you may stay confused about things where you should have clarity by now? Because you're making it all about you and how you feel. And I'm not sure how I feel about this. And I'm not sure if I'm ready to unpack my past and really dig into the trauma. And just stop it right there and just go, okay, Lord, what lines up with truth? Because I'm just, I'm, I'm, my problem is I'm thinking about me right now. Yeah. You know the contrast in the story? You know who the contrast is? It's Herod. And it was all about him. <laughs> it's all about me. <laughs> I'll never forget. There's a Patch the Pirate song. Anyone that knows Patch the Pirate, it's all about me. You know what I'm talking about? Do you want to sing it, Bella? No, <laughs> she's like, no, no, no. Listen, the Lord's looking for people who make it about him. When it comes to church, your home, your kids, your family, your marriage, do you make it about him? When, there's, when, when, when you look at life and you look at your job and you look at everything, that is it about him? See, worship is not, worship's not flipping a switch. And, okay, worship time, everywhere you go is worship. You learned on Sunday in, uh, in Sunday school about your body being the tabernacle. Do you know what that means? The Holy of Holies is inside of you. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Everywhere you go, you take him with you. Amen. So it is not like, okay, now I'm at church. It's time for worship. When you're driving down the road, you're worshiping. When you're in your job, you're worshiping. When you're at your house, you're wor- when you have spare time and your mind is drifting all over God knows where, you're worshiping something. It may not be God, but you're worshiping. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. You'll get to really get God's attention when you start making it about Him. Look, if you would, at verse number 9. Can I show you verse number 9 in this passage? The Bible says in verse 1, they came from the east to Jerusalem. Look at verse 9. When they had heard the king, they what? You know, you know what I would say? Uh, the Lord seeks those who are willing to move. Amen. You know what's not comfortable? Moving. Right. Especially the older you get. Amen. Right. You ever sit down and then like, it's time to get up and you're like, oh. You put so much more thought into getting up when you're old. Yeah, right? Just like that. And, and the stuff's popping and all that kind of stuff. You know what the Lord, I'll tell you this, all joking aside, you know what the Lord wants to see from some of his children? Are you willing to move just from your chair to an altar? Listen really carefully. I don't think you have revival because you say we have an evangelist coming and we're going to sing special music and we're going to do this for three nights in a row. Okay, now I'm going to go to the altar. I, I... I don't believe this is where anyone here is at, but I'll tell you, this scares me. I heard about a story of a preacher going to a church, and he uh, was preaching a meeting several nights in a row. And uh, one of those nights, this older farmer guy with his overalls, you know, came up to him. He said, Preacher, why are you always trying to get people to that altar? He said, Well, you don't have to come. It's free will. You can come. You don't have to, but 
the point is you should come if the Lord's dealing with you and you can respond to him. Let me ask you a question. You, you folks out there, if you walk into the house and you're, let's say you're coming home from school, you young people, and your mom goes, hey, how was your day? And you just stare at her and walk away. Someone would think you're a weirdo for that. But you come to church, hear the word, hear the word, hear the word, hear the word, and don't move, and no one thinks anything strange about that? It's like being spiritually constipated. Some things need to move sometimes. And this, this, this old farmer said, Preacher, last time I went to that altar is when I got married in this church. and been since. Like bragging about it. How, what does it take to get you to move? You know, what, you know what's really sad? I know Christians that won't move until they get cancer. they lose a loved one and all of a sudden life becomes a little more sobering and they start contemplating Lord do you want me to move from the things that I've been doing and places that I've been at and Lord is there Lord do you want me to go somewhere and I don't mean necessarily move away but Lord do you, do you I've just been in this rut and I'm just living life and can, can I say this guys for the wise men here's what you'll learn real quick Two things will eat up your budget, traveling and kids. And you want to you do it really bad? Travel with kids. Okay? So, so you know what's cheaper? Eating at home versus eating out. Right? I'll tell you something else. You'll stay healthier when you eat at home because when you eat out, you feel like you have to eat all that food. You ever notice that? When you get a plate at home, you know, I'm feeling like, yeah, yeah, orale. That's how I got so big. <laughs> when you eat at home, you're like, I'm full, Right? But when you're eating out, you're like, this is good, um, 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 right? But I'll say this, is, it's also cheaper to eat at home. I'll tell you what else is cheaper, sleep in your own bed versus go to a hotel, right? right. right? I mean, it's just cheap. So you know, what, you know what costs something? Traveling. You know what those wise men did? They traveled from afar. You know what they did? They moved. You know what it makes me think of? Look at Genesis chapter 22 with me, if you would. Can I say this? There is no victory at bargain basement prices. It's going to cost you something to move for the Lord. Amen. Look, at, look at Genesis chapter 22. This is the first time we know this. You've heard this a, a million times already. This is the first time worship shows up in your Bible. All right, The word worship shows up uh, in Genesis 22. Uh, but, but look, if you would, at Genesis 22. Look at verse number 2. And this is God talking to... Imagine, look, look, tonight... I appreciate you guys weathering the storm, all joking aside, uh, uh, coming in, you know, driving from 15, 20, 30 minutes away, getting your, car, your kids in the car, driving over here in negative temperatures. I appreciate that. I think God appreciates that. But at least when you left your house, you knew where you were going. Amen. Imagine the Lord's like, I want you to come worship me. Great, Lord, where is it? I'll show you. Okay, so what do I do? Leave. And go where? I'll tell you. Well, can't you tell me now? I could, but that's not how it's going to work. The Lord shows up to, to Abraham. Look at verse 2. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the... You go, well, you told him where to go. Uh-uh, hold on. Just keep reading. It'd be like me saying, I want you to go somewhere in Colorado. And when you get there, you're going to know. I mean, you, imagine us inviting people to candlelight service. Where's your church? Somewhere, man. <laughs> right? Some people might like that, but you know, that's not how you do that. You give them the, the address, the website, and all that. Uh, look what the Lord says in verse number two. Uh, give them the land of Moriah, and offer them therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will 
tell thee of. And here's what blows my mind in verse 3. Abraham gets up early in the morning. Man, if I were, if I were Abraham, I'd be like, can I at least sleep in if I'm going to go to somewhere I don't know where to do something I don't want to do with someone that I really love a lot? In hope, I mean, put yourself in, that, in those shoes. I don't know that I'd be like, oh, man, let's get up early and let's hit the road, son. Like, that does not sound appealing to me, and yet that's what Abraham does. Take your son. Move for me, give him up, and I'll tell you when you've gotten there. Look at verse 4. Can I ask you a question? How did Abraham know? The Bible says he saw the place afar off. You may go, I'm not sure where the Lord wants me to go. How, How do I move forward in the Christian life? Well, maybe the Lord wants me to get up and go to an altar. Maybe the Lord wants me to get up and go across the street and witness to my neighbor. Maybe the Lord wants me to get up and just get to church. I don't know what the thing may be, but God wants you to move from where you're at. And listen, if you're the Christian that's doing what some of you are doing right now, going, uh, I do go to church, check. I did witness last week, check. I didn't, stop that right now. Because you're checking the boxes that you've gotten checked. There's somewhere else God wants you to go in your life for him. Now, now here's, here's what I look at in verse number four. He says he saw the place afar off. All I can figure is this, the Lord spoke to him, and the Bible just does not show us that. And he said, you're there. You may go, I'm not sure what it is God wants me to do. He'll tell you. If you're willing to get off your blessed assurance and find him. You know what he's looking for? People that are willing to do that, what Abraham did. Look at verse number five. This is the famous verse. This is the first time worship shows up in your Bible. You know why God calls Abraham the friend of God? Because he was willing to get up. He's willing to move. You say, where's the, where's the band? Where's the piano? Where are the hymns? Where's the, where's the, we start the church service with a word of prayer. We end it with a word of prayer. Where's any of that? There's, it's not there. But worship was there. Because Abraham, listen to me, was moving by faith on what God told him to do and giving him exactly what God told him to give, which was the least convenient thing for him to do. Let me ask you a question. What, what's the thing that you go, that's my Isaac? Like, like, I mean, if God came to you and said, I want you to kill your son Isaac, there may have been days where you said, amen, Lord, that's a good idea. Amen? <laughs> Sorry, you just, it fits, man, it fits. But, but you understand what I'm saying? Everyone in here has an Isaac. There's a room in your spiritual house where you let very few people in. And maybe not even the Lord. You know, in the beginning of this chapter, do you know what it, the, the, the chapter starts with? It's, it starts with, in Matthew 2, it starts with the wise men saying, where is he? Can he go into that room? Can he get you to go, I want your Isaac, let's Let's move. You see, the Lord is seeking people like that to worship Him that are willing to move from where they're at. If you're comfortable in your sin, you ought to move from that. Amen. You ought to move from that. Let me say this. He, he's, he's looking for people that are willing to separate themselves from the crowd. That's right. you, know, it's hard, you know it's easy to do at church on Sunday and on Wednesday? Uh, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Then you leave. And you're in the thick of it again. Nobody wants to stand out. <laughs> the uh, former owner of the company that I, I work for, he, uh, for years, every year, they gave him the same gift. He didn't even want it, but that's what they gave him. 
He said, man, I've got, I've got 20-some bottles of whiskey I'll never drink. That's what they gave every year. They gave me and my wife a really sweet gift for, for Christmas this year, and it was a dating adventure thing. I don't know what it is yet. We'll find out. Some, date, some millennial thing. It'll be fun, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and, and we do different adventures. And, what, and someone messaged me tonight and said, sorry, it wasn't whiskey. And I said, never apologize for that. I, listen, I don't care. I want to stand. I don't want to fit in anymore. Right. Maybe it's partially because I'm just getting to play. I'm older and I just don't care. Right. Maybe that's part of it. But, but I'll, I'll tell you this. Regardless of where you're at with your age, you should be in a place where you go, Lord, if you want me to leave, not just move, but separate myself from some things, I'm willing to do that. Look at Matthew chapter 2. Let me show what I mean by this. Let me put it to you this way. There are some people and some things in your life that as long as you stay around those things and those people, you will never find the Lord like you could in your life. Doesn't mean you're not saved. You will not find... Imagine being one of a handful of people that get to see Jesus in his young childhood. I, I know that this is not the story of the shepherds in the stable and the manger and all that stuff. But, but how God miraculously brought them about to see this young child. It's a miracle. How about you guys? But I'm, I'm tired of going, man, remember when God used to do this? I hear people say, man, back in the 60s and back in the 70s, God really moved. He's not dead. Right. He's still alive. I recognize. I know where we're at. We're in 2022 where men don't know if they're women, women don't know if they're men, and all that kind of weird stuff going on. I get, it, I get all that stuff, but it doesn't mean that God's dead. And guess what? The rapture hasn't happened, so God still wants to work, and he still wants people to get saved, and he still wants Christians to grow. So our work isn't over. So you know what that tells me? God wants to show up. The question is, who's looking for him? He's looking for those who are looking for that. Look, if you would, at verse number 11 in Matthew chapter 2. Can I, can I show you something? I think this. I think it's interesting. Let's say you travel hundreds, maybe let's just, let's go with hundreds of miles over several months, or let's say thousands over several years. Regardless, it's a long trip. And uh, we've had some Wednesday nights um, because where we live, where it starts snowing, and it takes us two hours to get home. I'm praying tonight's not one of them, amen? But I've had some of those, but that's nothing compared to months and months of your life committed to looking for someone. You're not really sure who it is, what they're going to look like. You're just following a star. And imagine they do that for months and months and months, and then the star stands over the the house, and they look inside the house and go, wow. Man, this is great. Let's go home. That's how some Christians live the Christian life. I got to church. Yeah, but you didn't get all the way in. Look, look at verse 11. You know what the Bible says? When they were come, what's the next word here? Into. into. It is a preposition. Remember the grammar class? They came into the house. They didn't stand outside the house and go, man, the house looks warm. Man, it looks like God's really there. Man, I wish I could get a hold of that. Man, that, you know what? I, I, there are not, to, in God's economy, there's not like Christians and then real Christians, okay? There's, you, you're, you're following Jesus or you're not. You're saved or you're not. You understand? 
You're either saved or you're not. And, and as a Christian, as someone that's following, a Christian means someone that's disciplined, someone that is disciplined in following the Lord. You either are or you're not, all right? So in God's economy, it's like this. Okay, you've come this far. What's keeping you from coming all the way in? You know what they had to do, though? They had to separate themselves from some people. Look at verse number nine. Verse number nine. You know what the Bible says? And when they heard the king, they what? There's some people and some things you're going to have to learn to get away from. You go, Pastor, you've mentioned this a lot lately, and we may park here for the next six months. I don't know. God keeps bringing it up to me. I'm just a messenger. My poor daughter, Ariana, today, <laughs> this twice today, I almost bit her head off. I feel so bad for her. She was relaying a message to me, and I was like, blah, 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 blah. she's like, don't shoot the messenger. And let me just say this to you guys. Listen, don't shoot the messenger. I don't know why, but this idea of separation keeps coming up. I'm noticing it. I'm not trying to find messages on it, but God's bringing it to us for a reason. Listen, listen, Paul the Apostle, listen to me very carefully. It's not just about, I'm not going to hang out with them. I'm not going to hang out with them. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Listen, that's what monks do, and they're still dealing with themselves. Some of those monks, you read some of their journals from the 1400s, 1500s, they were depressed. Some of them said they, felt they fought with demons. So separating yourself from everything out there doesn't do it by itself. Right. It's being separated from so you can be separated unto. Right. You know, Paul says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, an apostle of God, set, uh, uh, separated unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Romans chapter 1. Well, okay, it's not just being separated from the world. It's separating myself from that so I can be separated unto something. I don't walk around and go, guess what? <laughs> Guess what? I don't date girls anymore. Guess what? I don't, I don't date any girls anymore. I don't da- you know what? I don't date girls anymore. You know that? I don't walk around doing that. You know what I say? I'm a married man. Right. That's what you say. You don't walk around saying, I don't date these other girls anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. If you let me walk around going, I don't do this anymore. I don't do that anymore. That's not what it's about. It's about me being dedicated unto someone that is much greater than anything I could have in this world. Yeah. But, but notice for them to find Jesus Christ, they had to leave Herod. You know, the Bible says, and you've heard the verse many times from me, wherefore come out from among them and be what? Separate. Separate. You know what God wants? He wants us to be pure. He does not want you to laugh at the things that they laugh at. He doesn't want you to, to, to look at the things that, that, they're dwell, that they're looking at. He doesn't want you to worship the people that they worship. He wants you being different. He wants you looking at life through a different lens. Listen, you may go, I don't drink, and I don't do this, and I don't do that, and praise the Lord. But you know what you're consumed with? Your money, and your job, and your family. You go, well, I have to care for the things of this world. Sure you do. But you know what? Your family should not be the center. It should be God at the center. And through that, you got these spokes of your life, your family, your job, your this. But it all goes back to him. Do you understand? And, And so here, when you see these wise men, why were they able to be successful in their mission? Why did they get to seek the Lord and find him? Because God was looking for them. And they found him because he was looking for them. Why? Why? Because they were willing to leave what they knew was home. They were able to leave what they knew was the crowd. The Bible says, let him that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You know, the first time the word separate shows up in your Bible, do you know what it is? Now, the first time divide shows up, it's God dividing the light from the darkness and all that kind of stuff. And you see God's God of division in, in, in the story of creation. But the word separate shows up. When Abram and Lot separate from each other. First time. You know what God was doing? God was going, Abraham, if you really want to get a hold of me, you got to dump your nephew, man. Yeah, but he's my, he's my blood. Yeah, but me and him ain't friends. 
He doesn't want me around. So if you're going to stay with him, guess what? I won't be around. As Americans, we struggle with being told what to do. We don't like authority. Because our country started with rebellion. (laughs) Tell those Brits we don't want their stupid tea or their crumpets or whatever else it is that they want us to have. We don't want any of that stuff. Right? Look at verse number 9. The Bible says, Lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. You know what that tells me? They could be led. You know what worship involves? It involves you being led by the Spirit of God. How do you describe that? That's hard. But it goes a little something like this. When you want to say things that won't please God, the Spirit of God says, nope, hold on that. And when you want to manipulate and control people and jump in and fix it and go, just hold on that. And when you're trying to push for your agenda, or says, hold on that. This is the beginning of worship is you being to be led by God instead of you leading him. I've got, a, I've got, I've got boys, and they are boys. They are not. I, I, think, I think God, that, you know, even though we didn't get them from infancy, one thing they got from Papa was you are a boy. Amen. Amen. I'm serious. Like when I give them like, you know, uh, <laughs> and look, I don't, I'm not the guy that's going to pick on them. And, you know, but, but if someone tries to give them something that's pink, they're like, is that for me? You say, why? They're boys, man. And I mean, like, you give them enough time, they're outside wrestling and beating each other up. They are all boy. But I'll tell you what the problem with boys is, is they're made to dominate, and if you don't put them in their place, they'll run all over you. That's why some moms get run over by their boys. They're like, that's my boy. I love him. He's running all over you. That's the problem. And so you have to tell those boys all the time, especially one of, the, one of, the, one of them, there's only 50% chance of this getting you guessing which one it is. Preston. Anyways, they... <laughs> He's always running ahead. He wants to lead things. And I, I sat him down the other day. I said, brother, you've got a gift God wants to use in your life. He can use you to lead other people. You better learn to follow first. Amen. And so when we go out in public, he's like, all right, we're going to go this way. I'm like, oh, ho, ho. are you buying the meal? I don't have any money. Okay, then I, I will be leading and tell you where we're going to go. And you learn to follow. And by learning to follow, you can eventually be a good leader. You know why these wise men could point others to Jesus Christ? Because they were able to be led. Can you be led? Can you be taught? The Lord is seeking those who are willing to be led by him. And let me close with this thought. Look, if you would, at verse number 11. They got there, and they didn't show up empty-handed. The Bible says in verse 11 that they saw the young child Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. Now, I want you to notice a small, this, this is Bible study, right? Look at the punctuation mark after him. What is it? Right, right. So normally what that tells you is that what you just read is about to be explained. So what does it mean that they worshipped him? You know what it means? They gave him something. That's how, it, that's how it's laid out there. The Bible says in verse number 11, they opened their what? They presented to him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, all kinds of great typology in there. But let me just keep it really, really simple and ask you this question. What was the precedent for this? Who told them you have to bring something? Could they have made the trip and just gotten there and fallen down? They, they could have. 
They could have, but they didn't. I don't think it, listen, you need to quit asking like, what do I have to give God? What do I have to, and start going, what do I get to do? What do I get to bring him? Let me tell you something. At the judgment seat of Christ, you know you're going to want to have have some some crowns to show for your Christian life. And you go, oh, I'll just be glad that I'm there. And you say that, but then when you're there, you're going to be like, man, I wish I could have some more crowns. And, and, And let me just tell you this. You want to be able to say, I have something to lay at the feet of my Savior. Not because I have to, but because I get to. You, you know, I, I'll, I'll put you this way. If my wife asked me to do something for her, and she says, uh, do, don't worry, she's going to make sure they got the riot gear on back there and the pepper spray and everything else. You get them, Debbie. <laughs> Amen. If my wife goes, hey, honey, can you get me a glass of water? Now, look, I'm going to be honest with you. This is normally, here's where, as a man, I'm just going to give you ladies a little lesson, okay? A little lesson. If you could do us all a favor and ask for the glass of water before we lie down and our head hits the pillow, we would really appreciate that, all right? So, so you men, just know that you're not alone in that struggle, all right? But, but anyways, if I get up and go, yes, I'll get you water. I'm not going to say I've never done that, but... Yeah, amen. You, you kind of lose, lose the opportunity to, to, to gain her respect and to show that you love her. I know it may be kind of outdone for some of you, but you've thought of a lot of people this year as far as gifts, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to rain on your parade. I'm not here to tell you about Moloch and Mithra and Isis and all the rest of that stuff. That's not where I'm going right now. What I'm going to say is this. You thought about a lot of people in the presence you bring them. What are you thinking of to bring Jesus Christ? What a weird thing to get to a birthday party and give gifts to everyone but the birthday boy. Strange. We've never done that before except for in this instance. You want to worship? You don't know what worship is? God's looking for, for you. He's looking for real worshipers. You know what worship is? It's bringing because you can not because you have to. I, I would love to look out in the cosmos, and I think I can do this as a Bible-leading Christian, and go, man, I, I know who did all this. Not only do I know who did all this, but what an amazing thought that he's looking for me. He cares about me. And you know what he's looking for in my life? He's looking for me to get a hold of what real worship is. Let go of myself. Make it about him. He's looking for me to go, are you willing to move from where you're at? You willing to separate yourself from some things? You willing to kind of get in all the way? You made all this preparation. You came all this way. Are you willing to kind of go the next step and go, here's my gift? I don't expect that you physically buy a gift and lay it at the altar for the Lord. That's not what he wants. But he wants you. He wants you. Let's all stand. Father, um, 
Lord, I pray that our church would get in the right spirit before we have this candlelight service. Lord, that matters. Lord, just singing some Christmas songs, and it, it'll be beautiful and pretty, but Lord, there's a lot of beautiful, pretty buildings that don't have your spirit moving in them. God, I pray that you'd help us to get in the right frame of mind, the right spirit before Friday night. Lord, if maybe take a moment just to reflect and well, we get stagnant, we get self-centered, we, we think about everything that we have to do and everything that we're seeking, and we lose sight of you. That's not your fault, that's our fault. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Lord, I do pray that you'd fill this place up Friday. Lord, would you start now? Lord, those that maybe couldn't travel here because of where they live, Lord, would you... Help them to fall on their knees even now. They're watching online and just get their heart ready for Friday. God, would you move in this place? Start with us. What an amazing thought that you will seek such to worship you. as they rejoiced you know it's okay to be happy in the Lord it's a good thing it's okay to have some emotion the Lord expressed emotion during his earthly ministry he wept, he rejoiced he was glad, he was angry emotion's not bad an emotion should be attached to your worship but as we look at these two elements of spirit and truth I think tonight we see the Spirit in Matthew 2. Do you ever just think about how many times a day? I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. But do you ever just stop and think about how many thoughts in your daily life are about yourself? And how many thoughts are about our great Savior? Just, just the way that our minds work. It's hard to flip a switch and okay, now it's worship time. It, it does not work that way. It's a matter of you being filled on a regular basis. tonight weathering the storm uh, let me dismiss in a word of prayer I'm just I'm asking guys I'm, I'm I'm pleading with you don't don't ever treat church like a ritual and let's not assume just because we show up that God does you hearing what I'm saying you, you want the Lord that's what they were looking for they were looking to find his presence and I pray that when we come every time we come here but in light of what we're trying to do Friday night, I pray that we come with that mindset and that heart. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, be safe going home. Brother Steon.
if you would. If you want to maybe thank the Lord for the cold weather, the fresh air. Amen. Go ahead, brother, if you would.